Welcome to the Heart of the Father podcast. We're glad you're here and able to listen in. We're praying the Lord will speak to your heart through this message and that you be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. I just want to give a little bit of vision for the value of praying the prayers of the Bible. And what's really fun for me is that I did not grow up in the church, y'all. I did not grow up knowing the Lord. And when I got saved, our church started a house of prayer. And so praying biblical prayers was just normative for me. And so I know that that's not everyone's story, even knowing Justin's, you know, background in the Baptist church, like not everyone has that context. And so this is really fun for me and really special. And I'm just excited. Okay. So Roman numeral two, we're talking about the privilege of prayer that really our goal these past five weeks has been to cast a vision a hope-filled vision of why we are all called to the place of prayer. Y'all, this isn't just set aside for the intercessors in the back. And I think sometimes we think that that's, that's what it is, that, oh, like, I'm not an intercessor, therefore I'm not called to pray. But, but that's not true. It's, it's that how we are called to grow in the place of prayer, it leads us to this unceasing communion with our Father, it's this unceasing, never-ending conversation with our bridegroom king. Every day, we talk to the people we love, right? We love him. We're loved by him. We should be talking with him about what's on his heart and what his dreams are and what his plans are. It, it, we want to demystify We want to calm down. Okay, so Maria and I had a thought, and I'll do it, Maria. I won't call you up unless you want to really come up with me. I think sometimes we have these really wild ideas of what prayer is. It's the, oh, God, oh, it's the groanings, right? Like we've been in those prayer meetings where people are like in travail, and you're like, I don't I don't know about that. I don't know what that is. And so maybe we get a little scared and we don't come back to the prayer meeting. Or you come into a prayer meeting and everyone's like, wah, <laughs> and they get hit with the joy of the Lord. And you're like, I don't also know what that is. And we have these ideas of what prayer is. Or it's only this one thing. Do you see what I'm saying? We sometimes have this impression and the simplicity is we just get to talk to our best friend. Justin, my husband, is my best friend in the entire world. If I don't cultivate intimacy and conversation with him, we're just roommates coexisting. And that, I mean, y'all that are married, you know that that does not work. It does not work. If I don't know how he's doing today, I don't know what's on his heart, and I don't know how to engage him. Prayer's really simple, okay? So that desire to demystify this invitation of connection and make prayer something that's both desirable and enjoyable. I love talking to Justin. I love talking to my son. I love talking to my best friends. I love talking to the Father because he loves talking to me. And it's realizing that I'm loved by God, I'm a lover of God, and that defines my success. I'm loved by him. I love him in return. It's that constant connection and communion. And I think sometimes we're told to pray, but we're not always told how to pray. And so maybe we're a couple years in the Lord and we're like, well, I mean, we're supposed to do this thing. We want to we catch 
everyone in and say, hey, let's break it down. It's real simple. It's connection and it's conversation. Let's demystify it. Let's just break it down. He made us for himself and for his pleasure. And John Piper has that famous quote that God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him, right? That when we have that connection, you know when you come to someone's presence and you're like, you talk to the Lord. You know him, and I want to know him the way you know him. It's that impartation. So in the Bible, we see three basic structures for prayer. And, and really, I want it to be this easy. I want it to be this easy that Nadine with her preschoolers can be like, hey, three and four-year-olds, this is how simple it is to talk to God. I want the stay-at-home mom who's buried in babies to be like, okay, I can take 30 seconds and connect with God, whether devotionally, okay, like the secret place and like adoration like Lisa taught on, whether an intercession that we're actually like contending for something, or in those personal petitions, those those things that are like, Lord, you know we have this need, would you break in? (laughs) So we have devotion, we have intercession, we have personal petition, okay? That's what we see in the Bible. Um, And I've noticed the difference as I grow in this discipline of praying the prayers that Jesus and Paul and Peter prayed, that little by little my heart gets tender and I tend to be more compassionate towards those around us. I become more positive I become more hopeful that that we really become what we behold. And if we're beholding his word and praying the prayers he's given us, we become like him. And it's not that we don't pray all the scriptures, because I think really there's power. Like Lisa, really, if you didn't hear hers, she hit on that in such a significant way. When we take the Psalms or we take these prayers of adoration and we just pray them back to him. But tonight, we're going to emphasize the term apostolic prayers. And when I say apostolic prayers, I really mean biblical prayers, prayers that are recorded and canonized in the Bible, okay? Jesus was our chief apostle, and these are the prayers that he either prayed, or these are the prayers that his apostles prayed, or that he taught them to pray, okay? These prayers are guaranteed, you guys. Like, they're just waiting to be cashed in. Okay, we pray what he tells us to pray because we know that that is the living and active word of God, right? And including the doxologies, there's about 30 plus recorded prayers in the Bible. Most of them are in the New Testament. Those are the ones that I have listed in the back in your notes. So it's not 10 pages of notes. A lot of this is stuff for you to take home. But you could take one apostolic prayer day, one biblical prayer day, And pray that in your devotional life, in your prayer topics, when you pray for your family, you pray for your workplace, you pray for your kids, you pray for all those things. And and in those personal petitions, you could take a biblical prayer and pray the word of God, knowing that it's going to be answered by him because he wrote it and he gave it for us to stand on. And you could take that every day for 30 days, I dare you, and see how the heart language of your prayer life changes. Here's a sampling, okay? Here's a sample. Just close your eyes as I read these out loud and, and ask your heart, how does this feel when I hear these phrases? Ephesians 1.17 that Brandon prayed, for wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Ephesians 3.16 and Colossians 1, that he would strengthen us with might in our inner being. Philippians 1.9, 
that love would abound in the knowledge of God. Colossians 1.9, that the knowledge of God in all wisdom and understanding would fill us. Second Thessalonians, that the word of the Lord would run swiftly and be glorified. The glory of God in unity with joy and peace and hope in Romans 15, to preach the word with boldness and power and signs and wonders, Acts 4. That feels good. That points us upward. That sets our gaze on something that's not of this world. It's eternal. And so I want to go over three very basic things. When we look at the apostolic prayers, there's really three categories. Um, Number one, which is Roman numeral three, apostolic prayers are God-centered prayers. And I really want you to write that down or circle it. They are God-centered prayers. All the prayers recorded in the New Testament are God-centered. Every single prayer recorded is addressed to God. Not one is addressed to the devil. We need to take note of that. Not one is addressed to Satan. It's addressed to the Father. God-centered prayer does, okay, so I don't want you to hear me wrong and be like, well, Rachel said. It does include spiritual warfare prayers, okay? We are given how we fight against flesh and blood, how we war in the spirit, how we take up and we cast down those things that are coming against us. There there is real warfare, but um, the early church uses this type of prayer, and you can see those scriptures. You can turn to page three in Ephesians 6 and 2 Corinthians, but all the prayers of Jesus that are recorded in the Bible are to the Father. I love that. I love that Jesus is like Father of glory. Oh, Heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. To the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's to the Father. And then Jesus taught his disciples to pray to the Father, and the apostles prayed to the Father. Are we catching a little glimpse of, I think that sometimes... Social media can give us such a wide um, assault of what's going wrong in the world. It can feel really heavy. It feels heavier than it did 20 years ago when I came to the Lord and internet was not a thing. I think that we can get so burdened down that we stop looking up at him and we stop talking to him and we, we just get kind of caught in this little slippery slope of what's going wrong and we have to fix that. No, we gaze on him and he does it all. We talk to him and he makes all the wrong things right. We point to him, to his beloved son, and he's going to come and restore the earth. Not me. I come into agreement with that though. And I pray the prayers that he prayed. I just want to give us a vision that sometimes, if you're feeling heavy in prayer, or if you feel like, man, I, I had a, Lisa talked about this again, again, Lisa's message like wrecked me, that we can get heavy in intercession sometimes and lose that single focus. We can lose that gaze. All we have to do is pivot, get right back on the road, and we talk to the Father, and we let him make the wrong things right. Um, it's so simple to do that sometimes we don't do it. I was driving home yesterday. My amazing mother-in-law has been giving me some time at a coffee shop to work on my notes and just to be in prayer. And, and I'm like praying these scriptures and I'm praying for you all and I'm praying for the church. I'm like, oh gosh. And the Holy Spirit's like, 
<clears throat> Don't forget to pray for yourself, Rachel. I was like, that's right. These prayers are for me too. It's so simple that we don't do it. But we, like, the, the, we're given a road map. Here's how you enter in. It's right there. Like, I made it really easy. And I think sometimes we read these verses not realizing that they're prayers. Oh, that's a blueprint for me. Thank you for making it that easy. Okay? We want his language to wash over us with truth. We want his reality of what is right and what is good and what is holy to transform our hearts to be like his. That's, that's what I want. Roman number four, the second thing I want to take note, so apostolic prayers are to the Father. They are also positive prayers. This, this like rocked my dome. This like really tilted me. We're praying to God the Father for the impartation of positive things. Okay? Like, let this sit on you for a minute. The apostolic prayers are positive prayers asking God for impartation of positive things. This is in contrast to him asking for the removal of negative things. It, it's a tiny tweak, tiny tweak that makes massive impact in how we walk and how we encounter those in our, our family, those that we are, are working with. It, it, it's massive that... Look at what he's done and look at what he's going to do. Because he told us the end from the beginning. And we know where this story's going. We know what he's going to redeem the earth. And I love, uh, if you look under Roman numeral 4, uh, letter B, Paul prayed for love to abound instead of asking for the removal of hatred. Paul prayed for the impartation of unity versus praying against division. Paul prayed that peace would increase instead of fear to be removed. He did not pray against sin, but rather he asked the Father for an increase of holiness, an increase of purity, an increase of love. Even Paul's request to be delivered from evil men in 2 Thessalonians was focusing on the deliverance of God's people rather than on exposing or bringing down the evil men or persecuting them. You see, when our gaze is up, when we're looking at him, we're looking at his word, we're looking at these truths, it's positive prayers. It's, it's the impartation. Because again, and Mama Marie could probably touch on this, Diane, you know, the internet has done a wild thing to our psyche. We have to be careful with how much we open ourselves up to because the heaviness of the world is going to try to keep bogging us down. And we have to fight right now for our gaze to be up. I mean, we have to get off social media sometimes. Can I get an amen? To get our gaze upward because everything in the world is saying, no, 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 it's getting so bad. And we know it's going to get bad before he comes and restores everything. But we have to fight for that place of peace and that place of unity. And I think that by praying these prayers, it just naturally lifts our, lifts our chin up. Sometimes I have to tell my four-year-old, hey, look at mommy. Look at my eyes. Look up. And I'll be like, oh, that's right. Okay, we're right here. The Father wants to do that same thing with us. Okay? One of the reasons God established positive prayers as the norm in the New Testament is to enhance our focus on unity and love in the church. The Lord set an example that by praying for the impartation of positive virtues instead of focusing on re removing negative characteristics, that this would unify his people and it would heal those that have been hurt by the very ones that were 
called to pray. That I think that we, we can just get a little off course. And, and praying those positive prayers just put us right back in the center of the road. And we're on that trajectory. And it's just that principle, we become what we behold. And that if we speak positive, life-giving, biblical prayers that are eternal prayers, that we, we're in agreement with the desire of his heart, that we will naturally be more peaceful. We will naturally be more encouraging and merciful and kind and gentle and loving. And those fruits of the spirit just naturally will come out of us. But, it, you know, when you're around those people, that everything has a negative slant to it. It's just a little hard to be around them, you know? And so we just want to encourage and show that example of, of how Jesus gave us these prayers. Little by little, praying these uh, prayers impact our emotions. We're given mercy and kindness in our hearts towards the weakness. Listen, I, I, I shared a little, like, meme. The church is messy. Ministry's messy. People are messy. But God is good at re redeeming and restoring those people, right? So again, positive prayers, I, I, three things. It facilitates unity. I'm on page four, letter F. It facilitates unity. It impacts our emotions, and it builds our faith. I can sign up for that. The Father designed these prayers to help our human hearts flow well and work together. Therefore, we pray positive prayers to the Father Asking him for impartation of positive virtues that lead to an overflow of unity and love for the church. Which leads to the next point, Roman number five. Apostolic prayers, y'all, are mostly, except for one in Romans 10, for the church. For believers in the church to be strengthened. Um, the vast majority of those 30 prayers that are recorded are focused on strengthening the church, not focused on saving the lost or transforming society. And here's another tilt. So hear me right, okay? It's not that we don't pray for those things, because we do. But when the church is set ablaze, what happens? When the church is on fire with the love of God and she can't help but overflow, what happens? We get revived. We go to Walmart and we see the lost saved. We go to the park and we see the blind eyes open. We, it's overflow, but we have to have the first things first. That if the church is strengthened with might, if the church is rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, if, if the church is filled with all wisdom and revelation, she can't help but bleed over. She can't help but love on the lost. She can't help but do those works. So again, I don't want you to hear that it's not that we don't pray for those things, but we just have to make sure we're seeing what the Bible is saying. This is top priority, and we want to come into agreement with that, okay? Uh, letter B, because God's primary plan to seek and save the lost, to impact the, the city, is by anointing the church with power and with love. 
when we pray for the whole church in a city, it's not just Hot FM, it's the church of Lakeland, it's, it's the church of Florida, it's the church of America. When, you, when we get that big picture, when that church is revived in love and power, the answer to our prayers for those that are lost, the answers for the prayers of a city being transformed it's overflow. It, it happens naturally. When the first commandment is in first place, we love the Lord our God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We then love our neighbor. We have to be rooted in that reality. We love him first. We minister to him first. We behold him first. We adore him first. We give him what he's rightly due. We spend that time. We carve it out. We make time. You are worthy, King of Kings. You are worthy. You are the Lamb slain. You're going to come. You're going to redeem the earth. And then that uh, outflow, that outflow happens in the second commandment. And we see this principle at work in Ephesus. Acts 19 talks about the preaching of the word of God was so powerfully anointed that its influence grew mightily and prevailed across all all of Ephesus, that God's strategy was to raise up a large anointed church with congregations across the entire city that would win a great harvest in all of Asia. What happened in Ephesus was so powerful that everyone, everyone who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord from Paul, from members of the church, people that recently got saved. Oh my gosh, did you hear what happened? Do you know Jesus is Messiah? Do you know he's coming? Do you know he's going to return and, 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 and bring deliverance? It's that, it's that right progression that when preachers are anointed and the church is revived, the saints will speak the word of God effortlessly and with great joy. But we can't have great joy if we're focused downward. We have to look up. We have to look up. We have to keep our gaze. And y'all, we have to fight for that right now. It will be easy to do the works of the kingdom. It will be easy, and it will result in a great multitude of believers who will come to know Jesus. But we got to start with our home base. we got to start with our hearts. We've got to start with those priorities. We love those that we pray for consistently. We can't hate the church if we're praying for her. I can't, if I'm not praying for Justin, I mean, I can be a little, I can be a little salty. I can, I can, I can have a moment, you know, but if I'm praying for him, I can't help but feel what the father feels for him. If I'm, if I'm praying for my friends, I can't help but love them in the midst, in the midst of their weakness. Song of Solomon 1 talks about I'm dark, but I'm lovely. Y'all, we are all in process. We are all a mess. We are dark. We, are, we, we have issues that the Lord wants to touch, but to him we are beautiful, and the church is beautiful, and she will be one mind, she will be one voice, she will proclaim that he is the king of kings, and we focus, we just keep pulling up on that. He has a divine strategy for the hearts of his people to connect and grow in love towards the church in whatever city they live in, for which they pray for. The Lord calls us to pray for the church so that we will love her while working on bringing the lost into the saving knowledge of Jesus. 
that we will love his bride. We will not speak ill of her. We will not shame her. We will not compare. Oh, I can't believe they did this. That church, I'm never going back to that. Where are we going? We have to look upward. We're a mess. Y'all, we are a mess. But he works with messy. He can redeem that. He wants us to be unified in love for both the church and for the lost. That feel good? That makes sense? So, God-centered prayers that are positive, asking for his attributes. It's really just asking him for his fruits of the spirit. Lord, make me like you. (laughs) So that we can then come into agreement with his body, his church. So we're focusing on him. We're asking him for help. We're praying for his bride. So now that we know what the apostolic prayers are, maybe have a little bit more context of what they are, biblical prayers, let's talk about why. And then we're going to pray. So apostolic prayers, uh, this is Roman numeral six. These prayers express the language of God's heart. The confidence that comes from praying his prayers according to his will That gives us assurance unlike anything else. That apostolic prayers reveal his nature and his character. It reveals his desires. These prayers reveal his intended outcomes. Oh, I'm going to do it, says the Lord, because I am faithful to my word. And y'all might be a mess, but I, I have a beautiful plan happening. And then he has means to these outcomes. He has a plan, and we just get to to walk along with it. We just get to come into the sheepfold. These prayers are God-inspired. They are biblical prayers. They are hope-filled prayers. They are according to his heart, his desires. You see a a pattern here? Him? (laughs) We pray to him, for him, by him, through him. It's all about him. It's not about me. (laughs) The me monster has to die. Go away. You are done. (laughs) He intends to answer these prayers, you guys. He he only has longing in his heart. He only has hunger in his heart saying, if you come into agreement with who I am, I will fulfill the desires of your soul. I will deliver. I will heal. I will come and I'll restore all things. He longs to do it. Jesus, you long to do it. You are faithful and true. You are the great intercessor. This is who you are. There's no orphan in your kingdom. There's no comparison in your kingdom. And even now in the name of Jesus, we speak life into every heart right now to hear your words of truth that they can petition you and they can come before you boldly. Oh, it's who you are. Let her see. These are the outcomes from what the apostolic prayers reveal. And I totally stole this from my husband because he's got good stuff. I just went, this is so good, babe. Because he taught on this a couple months ago and I was like, I'm just going to just not even change it. So the outcomes from what the apostolic prayers reveal is his nature and character reveal to us what he's like. 
I love that. His desires reveal to us what he wants. His intended outcomes impart vision for where he's leading the church. And his means to these outcomes give us understanding and a roadmap for how he will accomplish these things in partnership with our prayers. Every single one of you are called to pray because every single one of you are called to connect and commune with your Father who made you perfect in his image. None of you, oh, I just don't know. Just talk to him. It's just conversation. And we grow in that. When we pray biblical prayers, we have confidence confidence that they reflect the will of God. The scriptures inform us that whatever we ask according to his will, so Mike Bickle is the the director of the House of Prayer over in Kansas City. He says, beloved, it's this simple. We tell God to tell us what to tell him. He tells us in his word. We tell it back to him, and he makes it happen. It's It's that easy. And there's some scriptures down there, but for time's sake, I'll, I'll let you just read those. Okay, the first one. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who's in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in their midst. What we ask in his will, he will do. He can't help himself. He's the ultimate lovesick God. He's consumed with, with wanting um, connection with us. So letter E, when we pray according to our limited understanding, to our personal desires, to our moods, to our hard days, when we pray our emotions, does our prayer life look like this, like a roller coaster? Anyone? Me? Okay. No? Okay. When I got saved, my pastor, when I was 20, he goes, Rachel, you have got to get off the roller coaster. What do you mean? I was just up and down, up and down. I now understand I was praying in regards to what I felt. I was praying in regards to every five minutes. I felt something different. Therefore, he's so good. He's not good. We've all been there, y'all. I mean, please, don't think that any of us who have taught these last five weeks, we've all been there. (laughs) But by praying apostolic prayers or biblical prayers, you can use those words interchangeably. It's just the prayers of the apostles. And submitting our hearts and submitting our emotions to his word and his law and his instructions, our hearts and prayers will be in alignment with his heart and his desire we will have a growing biblical confidence when we then pray and petition him for things. So the fruit of consistently praying biblical prayers is that it cultivates God's heart language inside of us. And then, all of a sudden, it becomes your heart language. And you're not even trying because you're laying hands at church because people are up front needing healing, and all of a sudden... His words coming out of you, not your thoughts, not your emotions, his truth, because we meditate on his word, we meditate on his law day and night. 
So y'all probably know Noah, my cute little (laughs) vibrant four-year-old. There are certain things I long for him to walk in. (laughs) I really long for them. But I consistently model, and I consistently train, and I consistently put him back on track. Oh, no, no, we don't, oh, no, here, this is what we say. This is who we are. And, and we, with him, desire for him to grow in prayer as a tiny little tot. And so he repeats prayers after us. Most parents are probably like, yeah, we do that. But it becomes their language eventually. And he was in kids' church. This was a couple months ago. And the teacher, they'd done the lesson, and they were having a time of prayer. And he goes, Miss Sissy, can, can I pray? And she goes, okay. But, I mean, he's like four. She's like, okay. And he goes, Jesus, help me to love you with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind and all my strength. I love you, Jesus. Amen. And I mean, she's like, like tears in her eyes and the teacher, they were like, and I'm like, that's the prayer we've prayed for three years every night over him. And you don't realize what gets in you until it comes out. So that's the importance of having that confidence, having that continual, it feels repetitive. It feels unnatural. It doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. And then boom, the word of the Lord is run swiftly and it's glorified because it's his word. It's his truth and it's his emotions. And so it's okay to start out by simply repeating biblical prayers without fully understanding them. It is okay for it to feel awkward the queen of awkward, I'm an awkward turtle. I just, just, it's okay, because it, it is, when you learn a new skill, how many of y'all have started a new job, and you're like, oh, this is terrible, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm so insecure, and then all of a sudden, three months down the road, you're like, I got this, man, this is awesome. That's the importance of something as simple as praying the Bible, that we do that so that in the moment at Walmart, we have to pray and, and boom, the word of the Lord delivers and heals, and all of a sudden the blind eyes open. He's like, well, that, he said it was going to happen. And I stayed faithful in the secret place. I stayed faithful. And it's how we surrender our hearts to the word of God. It's we submit our lives to his word, not our word. We submit our lives to his truth, not our truth. This whole my truth thing, please, please. We don't only read the parts of the Bible that we agree with. Well, at least we shouldn't. We read from Genesis to Revelation as glorious gospel. We read the beauty of Jesus from beginning to end. We read the hard parts. Y'all, Job, oh, help me, Lord. It's always my hard one. But we come to grow in the knowledge of him and his fullness because we submit ourselves to the word. And he's given us a roadmap. He's given us, I mean, I'm sure those of you that are going to look at these apostolic prayers, because I'm going to give you a little homework assignment, you're going to be like, I didn't even realize that was a prayer. Sometimes we just don't know because we read the word or we're hearing it on our audible Bible or whatever, but we come to grow in the knowledge of him and his fullness. We read the parts that don't move us yet, but we know they move him. And the way these biblical prayers become ours 
that we own these truths of scripture through the continual reading, the prayer, and the meditation on them. This is how we walk in confidence, y'all. And this is how we walk in communion with a father that we can then walk in communion with each other. Because we can't love each other well if we're not actually in agreement with him and his words. And so just that recap, I just want you to walk away. If you walk away with anything, just what's emboldened, that every single believer has been given the privilege of prayer and connection to the Father, every single one of you. It doesn't matter if it's Jesus, help. That's a prayer. Jesus, fill me with wisdom. That's enough. And, and I just want to say this. You realize that 30-second prayers really touch the heart of God? That when you only have 30 seconds because you're buried in babies and everyone's screaming and you've got spit up all over you or you've got 14 reports you've got to get in by the end of the day, taking that 30 seconds really impacts the heart of God. It really matters because those 30 seconds become 60 and then it becomes five minutes and it becomes all of a sudden you're spraying in the spirit, doing your work. It, it grows our faith. I just... I just want to make a real low on-ramp for everyone. (laughs) Prayer is nothing mystical, you know, and you've got some great revivalists and prayer warriors that you can read books about, and I mean, they will, like, light you up, and that's good, but y'all, let's just start talking to him. Can we just talk to the Father, and then maybe tuck these away in your Bible or circle them or highlight them? Just start praying some of his prayers so that we're given the privilege of prayer, that they're God-centered prayers, they're positive prayers asking for impartation of positive virtues. They're given to strengthen us as his church. That means you, that means every one of you in this room so that we can have established confidence in praying his perfect will. I want to encourage, it's not a homework assignment, but I want to encourage you. Um, the, the next page, I just wanted to literally, <laughs> it's probably the teacher side and me, I wanted to lay it out real simple. How you would take an apostolic prayer. Brandon did it eloquently. I was like, can we just stay here? I don't have to teach. This is so good. But what he did is he did this. He took small phrases of these biblical prayers and he broke it down praying for us tonight and praying for the church. And it really is that easy. And what I think that you'll be encouraged by is it comes really natural after you do it a little bit. And maybe you've been doing it for a long time and you're like a pro at it and that's beautiful. Let's help those that are like, I don't even know where to start. Let's just start here. Let's start with the prayers he gave us because it's easy. So... So that's just something I wanted to give you. You can tuck that away. Um, But I'd love to challenge us to take the next two weeks and these 14 prayers that I've listed in the back, take two weeks and take your prayer list or just take your morning time. Take five minutes a morning. Don't even make it something. Because sometimes we set such lofty goals. It's like, I'm going to go from not ever praying to praying for four hours. Okay. (laughs) 
let's calm down and bring that down to four minutes. And if the four minutes becomes something more, that's good, but we just want to make it approachable. <laughs> but, but this is just a guide how to take small phrases from a prayer and to make that into conversation with the Father. So if you look at that, um, Ephesians 1, 17 through 18, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. And you would do, Father of glory, I ask that you would give my family the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Would you come to them today? Would you open their eyes to know you more? Would you let them see you for who you are as beautiful and glorious? Let the knowledge of who you are permeate their hearts, affecting every situation and bringing hope in every area. God, I ask that my family would know the hope to which you have called them. Even in hard times, give them a clear vision of the hope that you have in store for them. Do you see how easy that is? Y'all write them down. If you have people you're praying for, it is awesome to have in your journal written out prayers for them. Because when you're not feeling it, you're not feeling the, woo, the winds of the spirit, you have something to go back on. It's that easy. Okay. So that's just a practical. And then all of a sudden you're like pulling scriptures from other parts of the Bible and you're having just like Holy Spirit revival for your family. Okay. So what I want to do is that good? Is that clear? Okay. Um, I have such a passion that no one would feel left out. That no one would feel like this is for them, but it's not for me. Because I think I lived that for a long time. And, and when you realize the invitations extended to you as well, it just, it changes everything. That you can be driving and praying in the spirit, praying these prayers, and your kids are like, Mama, <laughs> what's that? But then they start repeating it. So I just, we want that on-ramp. We desire for these last five weeks to cast vision that we are called to be a praying people, that not everyone's called to full-time occupational ministry, but everyone's called to pray. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to join us on a Sunday morning or other weekly gathering, know that you're more than welcome. And if you'd like other resources on or about this ministry, or for any deeper questions you may have, be sure to visit our website at hotfmlakeland.com.